1: Time for Montana's only daily sports talk show, is Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: The building of legends, and what does it all mean? Also, how about some future legends, or maybe, is there any in the upcoming NFL Draft? And what's being said about the legacies in the NBA? Welcome in. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Colter Nuanas coming to you through the Northwest Motorsport Studio. You can always check out Northwest Motorsport, largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest, by visiting online. NWMSRocks.com. Thanks for being here today. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Rainy here in Western Montana. It's supposed to be cloudy, but not as wet tomorrow. So, at least that's what the Jack Weatherman told me. So, uh, hopefully, bluer and clearer skies ahead. A lot to get to today. Sort of the theme of the week, the thing I've been thinking about, and I often I think about um, things that elicit long thought processes. And oftentimes it has to do with what I'm either reading or writing or both. And I just put the finishing touches on, at least for now, uh, a profile that I've been working on for a really long time about Troy Anderson, the all-American do-everything from Montana State, who took the Treasure State by storm, was the face of Montana State football, Montana State University, some would argue, and perhaps the most prominent face in the state of Montana, period, when it comes to the football field. And now he's on the brink. He is a couple days away from reaching the highest level of college football. Or, excuse me, reaching the highest level of football. So that's all to say. It's got to be thinking about just the uh, the art of myth-making, as it were. What goes into just really good, outstanding athletes becoming – Transcendent talents becoming unforgettable figures in our lexicon, in our um, lore, so to speak. And so we'll start with my book of the day today, which is Sweetness The Enigmatic Life of Walter Payton by Jeff Perlman. I, I grabbed this book off the shelf last time we were talking about a similar uh, thought process, but I've just been thinking about this a lot because we've been giving you these history lessons from this 100 Greatest Sports Heroes, and I find it so startling and so fascinating how many I know and how many I've heard of and how many of those stories were passed on through multiple generations. Um, And some that fade and what causes them to fade. So we'll talk about this off the top. We're also going to talk about this with Justin Angle, a business angle to start our number two here on Nuanez now. And, uh, As always, we're going to talk NBA playoffs and so much of why we love talking about the NBA. It also has to do with legacy, legend building, uh, and everything in between. If you've never read, if you're a sports fan, a sports connoisseur, and you have never read a Jeff Perlman book, I would highly suggest doing so. He's an unbelievably thorough reporter. He's a simple yet... um, compelling writer, and I mean simple and the greatest of compliments. You can fly through his books because he's so sharp and um, so to the point with his writing. But this book is definitely one of the best books I've ever read. Uh, the The book Boys Will Be Boys, all about the early 1990s Dallas Cowboys, is certainly the most entertaining, outrageous, uh, dare I say, inflammatory Jeff Perlman book. But this one I think is the best. I think it's the most well-done Walter Payton was at the same time one of, if not the best players in the national football league during his time with the Chicago bears, one of the most iconic athletes in the United States. (laughs) Michaela just walked by and she heard Chicago bears. She gave me a big smile. Uh, She loves the bears so much that she actually named her son after the one and only George Alice. So that's pretty amazing. Uh, But little was known about Walter Payton during his career or, or really during most of his short life. And he unfortunately passed away uh, in his late 40s. And I think that added to the enigma, to the legend. And so there's so many different things that go into what makes people resonate. So we'll come back to that in just a minute. But we will have... NFL Draft, NBA talk. We're also going to give you some Tagliari Deli. I just had a try of their new sandwich, the Quiet Riot. Quite delicious. And uh, we are back at it, Tagliari Tuesday, every Tuesday here, giving you $25 gift card each and every week to Tagliari Delicatessa. We'll also hear from Justin Angle off the top of the second hour. It is a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. And we'll also have our Treasure State Stars for the week. So there you go, the show outlook. Presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team, the official Realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any questions you might have in Western Montana real estate, give Brent and his team at Windermere Real Estate a call today. Go check out this Troy Anderson story, by the way, uh, if you are so inclined. It's, uh, it's quite an opus. I hope that it's compelling all the way through. I believe that it is because his story is so compelling all the way through. And... Uh, it just got me thinking, though, how has this guy reached this level of lore in the state of Montana? And also how fascinating is it that this lore is now, that this this uh, this myth is now being told to, to the rest of America, and now he's going to arrive on the scene. And I, I was sort of struggling and panicking to get this story out because... To be frank, Troy Anderson is at the height of his powers, and almost certainly the highest his powers will ever be again. It's it's, um, I mean, it's not it's not impossible that Troy Anderson someday becomes the best player in the NFL. But it is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly unlikely. And that's not to say he won't be a very good player. Uh, I think that his uh, pedigree and his Makeup and his gifts and his mental acuity, I think all those things make him a day-one starter in the NFL. So it's pretty hard to say that a guy coming on the Big Sky Conference that's going to be a day-one starter in the NFL is anything but a transcendent talent. Yet, I guess all of the the, uh, the all-encompassing and almost unbreakable nature of his lore right now Is at its all-time high So I wanted to get it out before he gets to the NFL Because at this exact moment in time With the exception of Maybe When the Bobcats Played Down in Texas Tech Troy Anderson has been The most physically dominant without question Player on the football field Every single time He's played football in his life And that's an amazing phenomenon And uh there's also another element of it, though, as well. I mean, this this book by Jeff Perlman chronicles so much of why Walter Payton was so legendary. It's his work ethic. It's his talent. It's his gifts. It's his drive. It's his unique way of being. But it's also his enigmatic nature. And I think that that's one thing that draws people to Troy Anderson so much is that he is an enigma as well. He's the least self-congratulatory person that I have dealt with in this modern age of college football, even though he's the best player. Think about that. He wants the attention way less than everybody else, even though he's way better than everybody else. That in itself is so unique and so rare. I think that's why people are so interested in Troy Anderson. We had to talk about fame the other day on the show. Rajim and I did. And Troy Anderson has reached... Um, I would argue, among the most unprecedented levels of fame for a college football player in the state of Montana in uh, at least my time covering the Big Sky Conference. And I think part of that is because he's not in the spotlight. Troy Anderson's not on the show all the time. Troy Anderson's only been on the show one time. Trey Anderson doesn't like coming on the radio. He doesn't like being on TV. That's fine. It, this is a 12,000-word story that I wrote about Troy Anderson, and I quoted him. Four times And it was all about his childhood Hardly any of it's about Anything about himself And so uh, I think that that's part That goes into it I think that For your legend And your myth to resonate Part of it is just having Unusual or completely unique gifts Part of it though Is also not overexposing Yourself And I think that's why Troy Anderson is, is so beloved By Montanans particularly Bobcats. I would venture to say that there's a variety of Grizz folks out there that at the very least respect Troy Anderson, at the very most really like him. I heard from a lot of different people over the last five or six years just how much they, they respected this kid. And when you got perfect grades and you play four different positions at an All-American level, all four of them at the college level, you play both sides of the football, it's, it's sort of unbelievable to even put in perspective but now his moment is here. Now, one of Montana's great exports gets to be on the biggest stage, either tomorrow, or I guess it would be Thursday when the NFL draft starts, or likely Friday, getting his name called between that second and third round. But either way, we'll keep you up to date with what's going on with Troy Anderson. But I just thought it's it's interesting because there's this all stems from me thinking about this book and how... The legend of legends, the the Babe Ruths and the Luke Garrigs of the world, the Walter Hagens and Ben Hogans of the world. Those guys, they have had their story passed down from our grandparents or even great grandparents' time. That's multiple generations. It's not that crazy to see how the legends of the '70s, '60s, '70s have been passed down. That's just one generation, maybe two generations. But to get past that third generation, the fourth generation, to have the legend continue to be told, uh, I think there's a lot to that, and that's why I find it so fascinating to go through that 100 Greatest Sports Heroes and see the people that still do resonate today, that still do get talked about today, and then also see so many greats that were forgotten. So go see the story Uh, on Troy Anderson, SkylineSportsMT.com, also an accompanying feature by Evan Morris, which is a fun one as well. And his angle is sort of about Troy Anderson introducing himself to the world and, and you know all of the narrative around him at the Senior Bowl and the questions about Yellowstone and the questions about Montana and all the things that drive us native Montanans crazy. <laughs> but also just Troy Anderson's sort of humble nature. So go check those two stories out. SkylineSportsMT.com. No one is now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. You want to stream the show somewhere besides traditional radio or television? Station website, 1029ESPN.com, or the new ESPN Montana app. Go get that all uh, downloaded. It's a great way to watch and or listen to the show, both live and archived. Uh, phenomenal new addition for us here at ESPN Montana. So thanks so much for to Tommy and Jeff and, and all the guys in the back for getting that all smoothed out. Do yourself a favor. Go download that app. And uh, if you want to be a part of the show, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. One zero two nine. Our oh, guests will join us via the Regis Brothers RV phone line. We're gonna do a little NFL draft buy sell. But first, uh, Andrew, what do you think of this phenomenon? Because you're sort of a, a a junkie for the old school guys, especially the baseball guys. But you have to make a conscious effort to study them. There's only a couple of the old guys, like the the Mickey Mantles and Joe DiMaggio's, and then further back, like Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, that still resonate today. I mean, you could play man on the street right now, and how many people would know who Walter Johnson was or Christy Matthewson or Rogers Hornsby, you know, uh, Honus Wagner? you got to get really, really, really broad for the, the absolute legendary uh, the names that resonate through multiple generations. So what do you think of this phenomenon?
2: Well, it's a fascinating topic and a fascinating thing to think about, Coulter, when you're talking about how do you make the transition from an athlete who is active and doing something and considered in discussions about you know, who, who is relevant and, and, and active and, and sort of vibrantly in the front of people's minds because they're doing these incredible athletic achievements. Right? How do you transition from that into sort of the myths that you're talking about? How What's the magic formula for being able to do that to where you're remembered long after, you know, nobody who has ever seen you play is still really able to remember it? You know, it it's a fascinating transition. I think, you know, it comes down to a lot of times... Taking the myth-making aspect of it really literally. Yeah. And and talking about, I think, why Troy Anderson is going to endure is sort of because some of the things that he's done do seem unbelievable. Playing sure. on both sides of the ball in 2021, you know? Uh, I, and, and, and that's when I you think, could... when you think about the guys who we remember, like some of those old baseball guys you were talking about, there is an element of that. Like Babe Ruth hit, was was a pitcher pitching to a two-point-something ERA and yeah. then hit 60 home runs right. when nobody had ever hit more than 20 in a season before. I mean, Lou Gehrig walked off of the campus of Columbia and didn't walk out of the Yankees lineup for 15 straight <laughs> years. Like right, right. There are these things that do seem like Paul Bunyan sort of feats or, or John Henry or somebody like that. And that's what, you know, sort of as the generations turn and the um, – the complexities sort of get worn away from the, these figures, um, you know, and a lot of the small details get worn away from sort of the statues of these figures in people's minds. That's a lot of times what people remember. But it is, and Troy Anderson obviously is a long way away from that, but it is something that's uh, really interesting to think about because the way that the media frames these things is is so important to that
0: process as well. And. As unbelievable as it is that he played both ways at an All-American level in college, it's equally unbelievable that he has never posted one single thing on social media about that. Not one. Not one. There's no pictures of Troy Anderson posted by Troy Anderson on his Twitter page ever. He only retweets when, like, Dylan guys commit to colleges. And he hasn't even touched his Twitter, it looks like, in years. So maybe he's just completely outgrown it. He just doesn't want to delete it yet. But, like, the guy, it's not as if... It, 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 that's what I was trying to convey with this profile. It's not the the hometown guy who spurned 40 offers and decided to stay home. Trey Anderson never even let himself get any offers. He went to one camp, got one offer, and committed the next day, and it was a Montana State Bobcat. If that guy drives, drives to Salt Lake City for University of Utah camp, he's, going to, he's getting offers from every school in the country. I'm serious. He's getting 60 offers right out the gates. And so it's just, it's so interesting because for all of the uh, completely unique things he did on the football field, also the way he navigated his own personal football career was completely unique as well. You no want is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Let's dive in to some NFL draft buy and sell. What is the main storyline of this NFL draft? Well, I would say that the primary storyline is the lack of quarterbacks... And the prevalence of guys that are going to be expected to chase down the quarterbacks. Uh, I sort of love this in terms of the the pendulum that is the game of football. It's always swinging back and forth. It's like former Montana State head coach Jeff Choate used to always say. It's back to the future. You know, he used to say, like when people were accusing him, when Troy Anderson was playing quarterback in 2018, and Montana State was essentially running the wing T out of the shotgun, he, if that's what Choate would say. He's like, well... You know, everybody decided to start running the zone and the zone read, which is just the veer option out of the shotgun, so we're just going to run the wing T out of the spread, (laughs) and here we are uh, with this one-of-a-kind offense, but now we see such a huge priority on great quarterbacks, and what defines a great quarterback these days is quick decision-making and um, also the ability to, to be quick in the pocket, and so then what do we see on the the backlash to that or the 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 reaction to that the evolution of that and it's nothing but a first round that's going to be stacked full of NFL ready edge guys. I think that's the most uh startling thing about the NFL draft now. We haven't done that much NFL draft stuff leading up to this draft this year because I think for a variety of, of factors. One I don't think the NFL draft anymore really gets that compelling until you're into until you're past like the first fifty or sixty picks, because the top programs in the country are producing players that are so good, it's really hard for those guys to bust. They bust because they have a situation like Henry Ruggs, where something horrific off the field happens to them, or they bust like somebody like Dante Fowler because they have a horrific injury. But I still wouldn't sell the farm on Dante Fowler. He's, he's still in the league. He just hasn't quite lived up to being the number three overall pick out of Florida. So the, the other thing is that it used to be, no matter what position you were drafted at, there was going to be a learning curve for you to be able to become really good in the NFL. Now you can absolutely draft receivers in the first 30 or 40 picks that are going to straight up be among the best receivers in the league. Justin Jefferson in Minnesota was one of the best receivers in the NFL the day he stepped foot in the Vikings locker room. Jamar Chase was one of what the three or four best receivers in the entire NFL last year out of LSU. So you can get dudes that are boom game ready, and I think it's the most prevalent at the edge positions defensively, sometimes quarterback, but not in this year's class and wide receiver. I think that those are, and maybe maybe even tight ends if you're a, a hyperactive athlete. So. We're going to play a little buy or sell here, uh, Andrew and I will. So the first buy or sell is quarterbacks drafted in this year's first round will have a tough time succeeding. I'm buying the heck out of that. Yeah, I'm buying that one, Coulter. I
2: think this has been the number one story in this entire draft is sort of the uh, the thinness of this quarterback class, and we're used to... Um, you know, sort of the quarterbacks determining how the first round is going to go. And you think back even to last year and the maneuvering around guys like Trey Lance uh, and the, um, you know, Mac Jones, guys like that. And there's a reason for that, of course, because it's to, to have a competent quarterback on the rookie scale contract before they hit the Aaron Rodgers level contract or the Russell Wilson level contract is the most valuable asset you can have in the NFL because it allows you to buy to build the roster around that guy and still have plenty of cap space to fill in your roster at other positions. It's become sort of the blueprint of the NFL. That's right. And 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 because it's so valuable, we see teams trying to do it and we're always used to seeing, you know, who's going to try to package and move up for a quarterback. Where are the quarterback's going to fall? Well, this year I just don't know if there is that guy in the draft. And that's sort of become the, the lack of that guy and the lack of the maneuvering around the quarterbacks has sort of been the defining story of the run-up to the draft for me because we're not seeing any of that. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I think all of these guys are, are going to struggle. I mean, there's four or five uh, guys, Malik Willis out of Liberty, yep. Kenny Pickett from Pitt. Yep. I think my favorite of all of them is Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Yep. Um, you know, there's the Sam Howell kid. From, from North Carolina. Those are sort of the top four. Matt Coral from Ole Miss is also probably in there. And and he's got the biggest arm Yep, out of all of them. You know, if you told me, I'd, I, I, Coulter, over under .5 of these guys as a, as a consistent starter in the NFL at the end of the day when we look back in 10 years, I might take the over, but I wouldn't want to bet on which one of these guys it was going to be. I could see one of these guys having a decent career I have no idea who it's going to be, and if I was a
0: GM, I wouldn't want to risk my draft capital on it. And that's why I'm buying this all day, because I do think the drafting, like I'm looking at the Sports Illustrated mock draft. They got Malik Willis going number six to the Panthers. I think it's a horrible pick because you're right. Malik Willis could become good, if not very good, but he also has a chance to be not good at all. And and you're drafting a non-Power 5, a non-even really headlining conference Type guy. I mean, Liberty's just incrementally better than the FCS. And that's not to say the FCS guys can't be good. It's just so much more of a risk. Yeah, I mean, think about last
2: year who we had coming out. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, who won a national title with Clemson. Totally, Trey Lance, who yep. dominated at North Dakota State. Mac Jones, who won a national title. You know, he was right there with Alabama for sure. Which of this group has had the most success in college? I mean, Desmond Ritter, right, the, for the sure. Cincinnati guy. Yep. Um, but he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't like the superstar of that team. None of these guys. I mean. Uh, Pickett from from Pitt and uh, Howell from North Carolina. They played on OK Power 5 teams. Yep. Malik Willis played at Liberty. I just, it's so hard for me to trust any of these guys.
0: And Noah is now ESPN Radio talking NFL draft. And w- when you take a quarterback in the first round, especially the first half of the first round, when they're bad, it can crater your franchise. Whereas almost any other position is not. You made a good point at lunch today when you were saying that, well, if you know the guy's going to be bad right away or he's just not good enough, you can just be bad as a team and then draft somebody else, a la the Chicago Bears, get rid of Mitch Trubisky before you pay him a bunch of money. And then try again with Justin Fields. That's yeah, right. That's right. The,
2: the issue is getting locked into thinking, you know, will this guy develop or won't he for years and years and years, yep. like uh, the New York Giants have done with Daniel Jones or like uh, the New York Jets were in danger of doing with um, Sam Darnold yep. before they dumped him. That's what you don't want to do. If one of these guys looks like a bust – the best thing to do, I mean, it's a sunk cost, man. Just go right back. You're probably going to have a top 10 pick again next year. Go back into it and try to grab one of those guys again because you got to have one of those guys when you're a team looking to make that leap. Let's talk about the
0: other side of this then. A proliferation of front seven players, particularly on the edge in this draft. A lot, a lot, a lot of prognosticators are saying Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, And Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon are going to be the top two guys picked. I love the ceilings of both of these guys. I do think that they both have relatively high risk for being one, two picks. But I I think that they'll be good in a brief moment in time. I just don't know what their longevity is. But then you talk about some of the other top edge guys. Trevon Walker out of Georgia. Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Of course you got Jordan Davis, the big defensive tackle out of Georgia who took the combine by storm. There, there's a, so I guess that's my next buy or sell here is when you're talking about when you're up on the clock here in the top 20 picks. I'm selling on the quarterbacks and I'm buying Georgia Georgia defensive players. There's five guys that are projected in the top 30 picks. Georgia's defense was at the same time as ferocious and fast, but also as league, not just in talent, but also in concepts as I've ever seen at the FBS level. I thought that Kirby Smart took the Nick Saban model of running like an nfl light scheme with nfl light players and accelerated it even. And so, you know, whether it's Devontae Watt, or Devontae White, excuse me, or Travon Walker, uh, or Jordan Davis, or I- any of the variety of other Georgia guys that could go pretty darn high, I'm buying those guys because I think that you can never project the longevity of a player, but you can project immediate impact. I think those guys will have immediate impact immediately. Yeah, this was tough for me. I, I'm buying
2: these guys, but cautiously, and I'm, you know, sort of picking and choosing here. I'm not loving the Trayvon Walker buzz, and he's the guy who's been I'll sort come. of... What do you mean? Why, why don't you like him? Well, he's had, he had six sacks last year. He right. has had single-digit sacks.
0: Yeah, but they also... He's so, a rotation lineman for Georgia. Well, but that's, that's the whole thing, though. Sure. That, that's why Georgia's so ridiculous, though, because everybody was a rotation lineman. That Jordan Davis would be, would be projected as a top-four pick if anybody had any sort of real, tangible evidence that he could play more than 30 snaps in a game. There's none, because he's never had to, because they rotate so much. So I, I, I do... I agree with what you're saying broadly. This goes with quarterbacks. This goes with edge guys. This goes with a, a, a variety of different positions. I think that production is is key, and I think that sometimes scouts, front office people, and evaluators underrate production. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky was a great example as a quarterback. Mitch Trubisky has never put up big numbers as a quarterback, not since he was in high school. So why am I supposed to believe that this guy could put up big numbers at the highest level of football? But then a guy like Josh Allen kind of puts that notion to rest because Josh Allen did not have very good, or not any sort of, he didn't have bad numbers, but he had very pedestrian numbers at Wyoming. And now he has put up huge numbers in the NFL. So there's sort of a dichotomy there. I do agree with your broad premise. I just think that those Georgia guys are just so, I'm not going to say they can't miss, but I think that they have such a low risk of missing because they just come from such a, a phenomenal system and they played so fast and uh, they just have so much talent. Well, that's why I'm taking the guys who have produced sure,
2: in that scheme. Sure, 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 I sure. love Nicobe Dean, man. Yeah. He's going to fall further than he should because he's, you know, a little bit small and he plays middle linebacker, right, and there's not so much value there. I like I like the Jordan Davis kid, too. I mean, I think he's going to be a stud in the league for
0: a long time. Um, it's the, just fu- the funniest part of his eval when they're saying well, we don't know if, he, if there's tangible evidence of him playing more than 35 plays a game, guess what? You don't have to in the NFL. Yeah. They only run 65 plays. Aaron Donald only plays about 45 plays a game, so you're fine. If you just go hard when you're in, you're good. Yeah, and the impact that he's going to have on those 35
2: or 40 plays, man, he's taking two and sometimes three guys out of the play every
0: time on every one of those 35 snaps. NFL buy-sell, NFL draft buy-sell here on Nuanas. Now, we have a bunch to get to, but we're going to have to take a break because... Forestry Day is back. The 25th annual Forestry Day at Historic Fort Missoula is this Saturday from 9.30 to 4. They've been off for two years, but they have all sorts of cool stuff coming back at you. Crosscut sawing, wood chopping, pole climbing, axe throwing, log rolling, hot saws. If you've never seen one of these live and in person, this stuff is sweet. We have a couple folks in-house to come talk to us. All about this great event down at historic Fort Missoula. So stick right here. Forcery Day is back down at the Fort. We'll tell you more about it right after this. It's new on us now, ESPN Radio. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. Spring football and the battle for the Brawl of the Wild trophy each officially came to an end over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. In a rivalry match with championship ramifications, Montana State clinched a share of its first Big Sky Conference men's tennis title since 2013 and the third in school history with a 5-2 win over the rival Grizz in Bozeman. On Saturday, the Bobcats took two doubles matches to capture the first point of the competition, then won three out of four singles matches to clinch the victory. A rivalry win gave Montana State an additional point in the Brawl of the Wild series presented exclusively each year by Town Pump. That point also gives Montana State a 9-6 lead with two events remaining, meaning the Bobcats will secure the all-sports trophy over the Grizz for the sixth year in a row. The available points for men's and women's outdoor track and field remain, but the Bobcats secured the series victory by splitting volleyball, sweeping cross-country, splitting men's and women's basketball, sweeping indoor track and field, and sweeping tennis. The Grizzlies earned series victories in football and women's golf while earning single points for the split and volleyball and hoops. Spring football came to a close with the Sunny Holland Spring Classic in Bozeman on Saturday. The Bobcats wrapped up spring drills 15 days later than the Grizz. In a split squad scrimmage, the Gray team scored 24 unanswered points to win 24-17. For more on the Sunny Holland Classic, tune in to Nuanez now at 4 p.m. today. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound.
1: I pulled the corn and I worked in the hay Got trapped by a girl but a wiggle free Heard the organ timber calling me Will you tell me something, Mr. Lumberjack? Is it one what up, Montana? It's always
0: a good Tuesday when you got a little Johnny Cash bringing you back. Thanks so much for being here. It's Nuana's Now ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television, or maybe... You got yourself that new ESPN Montana app. If you don't, it's a great way to stream the show, both live and archived. Just go to your app store, download it. Time now to highlight an awesome event coming up here in Missoula this upcoming weekend. It's down at historic Fort Missoula. It's presented by the Society of American Foresters. Forestry Day is back. It's the 25th annual Forestry Day on Saturday, starting at 9.30 a.m. all the way till 4 p.m. Uh, an awesome event, an awesome uh, spectacle for many people of all ages to watch. We got in studio with us Eric Hoburg and Brock Welty. Thanks for being here, guys. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having us. So we'll start with you, Eric. Uh, just take us through sort of the your the history of your involvement in this event because this is a this is a fun way for people to see uh, competitive. How do I say, competitive logging? Is that, that, how, would you, how would you describe sort of the sport of this?
1: Yeah, it's traditional logger sports, stuff they used to do in the camps back in the day. Some of it just simulates uh, activities of getting the logs to the mill. And, uh, yeah, I started, I was on the UM team, 02 to 06, and then left there and became a professional lumberjack uh, by weekends and traveled all over the world, chopping, sawn, log rolling, climbing, so... Help put on the show for about 20 years now
0: well this is very cool so if people attend this they can see all sorts of different events from crosscut sawing, wood chopping pole climbing axe throwing log rolling hot saws all of it if you know what i'm talking about you definitely know but if you if you if people out there are kind of confused by this give them sort of like the layman's version of this because this is
1: basically operating logging stuff as fast as you possibly can right right a lot of this is specialized cross cuts and axes climbing gear everything is designed just uh, to be light and fast and uh, a little sharper than you may see in the woods uh, a lot of the same guys and gals you watch on espn and cbs will be there this weekend from all over the country and canada and one from new zealand uh putting on the best show for you brock tell us how you got kind of involved with this because
0: as eric mentioned there's a a team here at the university of montana and a good way for people to sort of get involved. Are you, so, first of all, are you a forestry student? Yeah, I am. Uh, I've been here for four years now and just showing up uh, freshman year and just wanting to get something to get the competitive edge uh, to keep going. Um, I like competition. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I've went by a booth on campus, saw some axes and some saws, and thought, why not? I'll try it out and stuck with it. Well, it's a great tradition because the University of Montana has – uh, one of the premier forestry schools in the world. So how do those two things kind of go hand in hand, sort of the study of it all and, and then the competitive element of this? Yeah, it's awesome being able to go to class during the week and learn about different logging practices, different forestry practices, and going out on weekends or evenings and implementing it in a competitive sense. Forestry Day back at Fort Missoula. They've been off for a couple years, but you'll once again be able to come see Timber Sport events You're not going to want to miss this. You can celebrate the skills of those who worked in the time-honored traditions of logging with the only pro amateur event in the nation. So this is very cool. And guess what? There's also beer. DraftWorks is going to be serving beer. They also have food trucks down there on site. What a great thing to do uh, on a weekend going on down to Fort Missoula. Uh, but Eric, you were mentioned. There's a new format to this as well, so uh, a lot of opportunities for people to see the show. By the way, th- this is an awesome thing for families. Four dollars at the uh, at the gate for a ticket for adults, three bucks for seniors, two bucks for students, or ten bucks for the whole family. And kids six and under get in free. So that's about as cheap as entertainment you're going to get this day and age. But there's an
1: opportunity for people to see a lot of these different shows here this uh, on Saturday, right? Right, yeah, we're going to start up a new format this year uh, where we're going to have four one-hour-long shows, hour-hour, 15-long, and we're going to feature each event. So you no longer have to sit around all day just to watch your favorite event. You'll get it right in that uh, action-packed hour, or you can sit and watch all day long and watch them four times. So (laughs) Just see who's the best, who's the fastest. You can find more about this
0: www.forestrydays.com, or by visiting the Fort website, Museum.org. Brock, do you have a specialty in this, or do you have a favorite event? Uh, Yeah, my favorite event is axe throwing. Nice, okay. Nice and casual, go out for, have some fun, and throw some axes at the target. So what do you think of this uh, this sort of um, phenomenon of people doing this, like, casually now, right? Axe throwing places have kind of bumped up, so is this, like, new competitors on the scene? Uh th- that's those are hatchets. Sure <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We we have, this we is, have bigger. This axes. is real. I mean, this we, is real. We, ax- have, <laughs> we have some axes. <laughs> you got to love it. Is there anything else uh, Eric that, that people need to know about this cuz I mean this is w- once you see the show that's a part of it, right? But then
1: um there's also all sorts of other stuff going on down there at the fort too. Right. Yeah, Forestry Day will feature a whole lot of demonstrations going on from Society of American Foresters. Uh, there will be a steam-powered sawmill running, lots of old cats and stuff from the 20s and 30s going, different tractors and logging equipment. We've got two food trucks, one with hot dogs and tacos, I believe it's Sonora. Nice. Uh, and then Mediterranean wraps. Nice. haha will be there. works Beer Garden, like you say. Lots of different things for the kids and the whole family to to take up your day. If you've never been down to the fort or it's
0: been a while... Go down there. It, it's really cool. I, I try to make a point to go to Fort Missoula at least a couple times a year. They always have new stuff down there, fun stuff you can learn. It's a great place for your family because you, everybody can run all around. All the historic buildings down there are so cool. Right. And at the end of the day, right, Missoula, I think people forget because Western M- Montana is booming at such a high level right now. But this is a logging in a railroad town at the beginning and end of the day, right? I mean, that's kind of what Missoula was built on is the river. And the industry, and uh, so this is sort of a return to our traditional roots.
1: Right, yep. It was a log in town to get started, and there's a few of us still left out there. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, this is something very worthwhile, both from the
0: entertainment and competitive element, but also just in in sort of honoring our age-old traditions and raising a little money as well. Is there anything specific that this money goes towards that you guys
1: are raising here? Well, it goes to next year's show. So making sure that the event Uh, continues, right? Yeah, and this year we're actually hosting the College Western Championship. So we've got 11 schools from Western U.S. and Canada all competing for the, the Western College Championship title here well, in
0: Missoula. Well, that's super cool. Eric Hoberg and Brock Welty here on Nuon is now ESPN Radio on behalf of Forestry Day, which is this Saturday, 9.30 a.m. till 4 p.m. at Historic Fort Missoula. And again, just 10 bucks for the whole family to go down there. So if you want to go down hang out, learn about a little history, see a little competition, maybe have a beer. What a great activity for you your family to go check it out. Thanks for being here, guys. This was fun. Yeah, thank you. Hope to see you there. Yes, Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for tuning in here on a Tuesday. More NFL draft talk and maybe a history lesson. Keep it right here. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio. This is Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Why are we playing Quiet Riot on this show? Well, first of all, they had a couple of good songs. <laughs> but mostly, it's because I got this delicious Sammy right here. Maybe I'll even shut the computer so you can get it in all of your glory. It's new out is Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Tag Tuesday, back in full force. We have been giving you Taglieri here on Tuesdays for a long time now, and I really appreciate the support and the partnership from Matt and Max and all the fine folks down there. I was hamming it up down there with a couple of those guys, and uh, they definitely listen to the show, so thanks for listening, guys. Also, thanks for hooking us up with some of the best eats anywhere in the Garden City. Taglieri Deli has definitely... Some of the best sandwiches I've ever had, period, but particularly here in the city of Missoula. And we sampled all of the sandwiches uh, on the show um, when we first started this promotion. And then we haven't been doing it quite as often, just quite frankly, because me chawing on a sandwich, not necessarily the greatest radio, but we do like showing off the goods. Uh, This is pretty nice right here, if you can see it. Got a little turkey, a little sharp Cheddar. Little red onion, arugula, uh, and they have this like spicy honey mustard. That's a house spicy honey mustard. Oh man! Oh, there's also bacon on here as well. Can't go wrong. if you start with turkey bacon and this delicious homemade bread. After that, it's all just it's all just window dressing. But dang, is it good! Myself and the boys in the back, our producers Andrew and Jeff, we already enjoyed the first half of this sandwich. I will not make you listen to me eat the second half. I will tell you, it is spicy. So when you get get one of these Quiet Riots, you're going to want to get yourself probably a little bag of chips and a drink, too, to cleanse that palate. But if you want to go check out Tag Deli, whether you want to order the Quiet Riot or anything else, I mean, the Beach Boy, uh, the Cheap Trick, there's a bunch of the Kiss, the Queen, they're all really, really good. They're all named after uh, famous rock bands as well. So you got to love the, the style and pizzazz. We got a $25 gift card for you to Larry Delicatessen. Caller number 4, 406-888-1029. 888-1029. Call us right now. Caller number 4, we'll hook you up with a $25 gift card from Taglari Deli. Located there at the corner of Beckwith and Higgins, right next to the roundabout. I'm going to save my quiet ride until... Uh, A little later on. But appreciate those guys for the the hookup today. I very much enjoyed my first sample size of it. We are going to continue our NFL draft conversation here in just a minute. But first, let's talk a little NBA. First of all, I got to tell (laughs) you... The best part is that Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, she identifies people in the world of professional sports specifically that are uh, are maybe not living up to snuff. And it's funny because she is the quote-unquote chick who doesn't know sports, but because she's not so close to it, she kind of l- observes this stuff from a 10,000-foot view, the she's almost always spot on with her analysis of guys that are being lazy or being embarrassing or being controversial, but then she rarely ever follows them to follow up with it. So she knew about Ben Simmons, not playing for the first month of this season. She hasn't followed it one bit since then. She's going to be just over the moon when I tell her, that Ben Simmons figured out a way to skip the entire freaking year. I don't even know how this is possible. He managed to skip the whole season with the 76ers and the Nets, the former number one overall pick. It is phenomenal to think that when Ben Simmons first broke into the NBA, there was this, uh, he, he was such a unique player because of his ability to play on the ball, his ability to push the ball in transition his ability to guard on the perimeter as well as anybody in the NBA, and that's not an exaggeration. When Ben Simmons is at his best defensively, he is probably the most disruptive perimeter defender in the league not named Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that said, his complete and utter inability to shoot, his complete and utter inability to really get along with any of the teammates he's ever had really, but specifically with the 76ers, and then now his inability to show up for work period this year, is just one element of why the big, fancy, shiny Brooklyn Nets with their three all-NBA-type players got straight swept by the Boston Celtics uh, after last night's Celtics victory. And I I do think it's pretty funny because on one hand, if you were to, to say this Brooklyn Nets team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons should be a true championship contender... And I know a lot of the teams in the Eastern Conference were certainly uh, believing in that because they were trying to dump games down the end to not get the two-seed so they wouldn't have to play the Nets. Well, <laughs> Bill Simmons, the, the resident Celtics homer of America, but also one of the best NBA insiders there is, coming out of Game 2, he was proclaiming that this had a chance to be one of the best 2-7 series in the last 20 years in the NBA. Well, <laughs> not so much for nothing. Boston sweeps Brooklyn. But you say that the Nets have all this talent. But when I look at the Nets and you combine the drama with the personalities with the spotlight, to me, and then you combine the fact that they they were a horrible matchup for the Celtics because the Celtics just completely out-schemed them, out-strategized them, out-executed them. To me, it's not that hard to understand why the Celtics rolled through a sweep. And in fact, I don't know if you really understand basketball that well if you don't understand why the Nets are broken they have good individual players. One of those guys doesn't get off the bench. That doesn't help you. And then two of those guys, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, they got to have the ball in their hands and if they don't, they're not that they're sort of irrelevant both of them are. So that's all to say that the Nets have a lot of decisions to make because they got a lot of high-priced players eating up a lot of salary room. And they just got straight swept out of the playoffs after a 44-win season, which by all accounts, everything about it is a disappointment. Yet, I think we're not giving the Boston Celtics enough credit. Jeff Safford asked me yesterday during our blindside what I thought about the fact that the Celtics were down 3-0 in this series. And I said I thought that the fact that they have one of the most, uh, I guess one of the least recognizable head coaches in the NBA – combined with the fact that they don't have a lot of drama compared to a lot of the other organizations in the NBA, combined with the fact that their stud, their alpha, their best player is just this really understated, soft-spoken guy in Jason Tatum, all those things go into sort of making the Celtics, despite being the two-seed in a really good Eastern Conference, underrated. But here we are, and uh, bye-bye Brooklyn Nets, the Celtics, the first team, to move on in the NBA playoffs. So, Andrew, I know you were watching some NBA last night. Uh, is this uh, – It's uh when you really put it all into account with all the drama the Nets had this year, it's really not that surprising that they were one and done in the playoffs, right? No, not at all. I think you saw teams have a bit of
2: a, a healthy respect for them, like you said, towards the end of the season, because that team with only Kevin Durant last year, because remember – You know, they had some injuries in the playoffs, came within Kevin Durant's big toe of making it to the NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. But I think that this was also a really tough matchup for them, uh, sort of like you touched on with the Celtics. The Celtics have flown under the radar this year, and they've had a lot of ingredients, and you touched on a couple of those coming into this segment, but they really didn't figure it out until midway through the season, and they were one of the teams carrying the most drama sort of heading into the All-Star break because there was all that talk about whether
0: they needed to break up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, It was was drama that stemmed from underperformance and that was all though, right? Because that's a different level of drama than personality conflicts. Underperformance leads to all that other stuff, Uh, right? No, for sure, but they don't have a Carl Anthony Towns who's throwing a fit all the time. They don't have a Ben Simmons who's sitting out all the time. They don't have a Joel Embiid who's a prima donna who you need to build around to make him get along with everybody. They don't have a James Harden who's going to dribble the ball till it's flat, who doesn't care about anything.
2: Well, I think you're giving Tatum a little bit too much credit because there were times mm. at this season where, you know, Jason Tatum was averaging like one assist per game and sure. Jalen Brown wasn't passing either. It's just, you know, not performing up to expectations always causes those cracks to show, but I think you're right. Um, and I think it's very obvious that they just needed to give Eme Udoka a little bit of time to sort of build that team um, and and settle in with that team, the head coach that they hired. And I think that's a big reason why they they fell under the radar because they've only been this team for half of the year. They win with defense. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league, as we saw. As we saw. They just shut down Kevin Durant as much as anybody can shut down Kevin Durant. So I think that it was a, a really difficult matchup for the Nets because of that, too. I mean, you're not fired up to play the Boston Celtics. And I think that you know losing game one in the fashion that they did on the buzzer beater by Tatum also took a lot out of them in that series. But you're right. It does say a lot about how basketball
0: works that Boston won this series. At what point do we start believing in Jason Tatum? I mean, we, we believe in him, but like, at yeah, what point do what we actually? Level? Well, I mean, Jason Tatum, th- there's a lot of guys that get a lot of headlines in the NBA or get a lot of attention in the NBA. I mean, Kyrie Irving, for example, has not really shown up in a winning, he's shown up in a box score stuffing fashion for sure. He's not shown up in a, a consequential winnings perspective since LeBron, he was LeBron James' sidekick. Yes. So, so, but he gets a lot more attention than Jason Tatum. Part of it's because of his own doing and the fact that he's this sort of out there counterculture guy with a lot of uh, different beliefs. He's always explaining away all of the reasons and why he operates. But, but it's not just that Tatum has gone from the former number two overall pick to a guy that's averaged twenty five points per game in the last two years and averaged twenty seven this year. But it's that he's actually now done this in multiple playoff series. Like, for example we should never be talking about jason T- jason tatum and J- donovan mitchell was like the same conversation recently that is not a conversation anymore jason tatum is in this con- is over here in this conversation with lebron james and giannis antetokounmpo there he's not over here with this Conversation with this conversation with all these other young guys that are trying to make their way. Well, he will be if he beats Giannis Antetokounmpo True. in the next round. Well, we're, I, I, we're, if, he, if he duels with him, though, that will go a long ways for his reputation as well. That's absolutely right. You
2: can make a lot
0: of uh, that, you can uh, make a lot
2: of rep and a lot of street cred even in a losing effort. The, for other sure. thing,
0: the other thing about Tatum that's crazy is this is year six and he's still only twenty-four. I mean, he was like just turned nineteen when he first got in the NBA. So. He still has a lot of, of time to grow as well. That's right. I think it's a good sign for
2: him that we're even talking about him. here. Th- I think the context that we're talking about him here is, can he be the, the number one player on a real championship contender? And that's very rarefied air. And I think even if I think he needs to make it at least to the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. and probably the NBA Finals yeah. before I put him solidly in that group, the fact that we're talking about him in that group is such a big sign for him, and we saw him in that game one make the huge play at the end of the game to win it. We've seen him adapt his game this season from the first half of the season to sharing the ball more, buying into this defensive scheme that Ime Udoka is preaching. We've seen him adapt the game, his game and do all the right things, and that speaks well for him being in that group going forward. But you got to prove it, and he's probably going to have a chance to against the— uh, the reigning holder of the conch, I think we would say, in, yeah. in Giannis Antetokounmpo.
0: Yeah. It's true. I think if Tatum gets them to the conference finals for the second year in a row, and then they are very competitive against the Bucks or whoever they might play. Again, they, right? they didn't make the conference finals no. last year. Oh, it oh, was that two years ago. He's played. He's been to the conference. The Celtics have been in the conference finals when Jason Tatum was among, if not their best player, in the la- in his career. So. Regus, I I guess what I'm saying, even if it's not a return to the Cowboys files, if he right. gets if he gets them there and they're competitive, that is the next step, and then I think we can start to talk about maybe he's in that mix. Well, and it, here's the thing, though. If
2: he knocks off the Bucks to make it to the conference finals, they're going to be the favorite. Right. And not making it out of the conference finals then against either the Heat or, I guess, the, the 76ers. Probably 76ers, yeah. That suddenly starts to look like a little bit of a failure then because I think if they do knock off the Nets and the Bucs in consecutive series and then fall in the conference finals, they're going to fall short of expectations there. But, no, you're, you're right. That would be a huge step forward.
0: NBA Playoff Talk here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Scores from last night, the Celtics beat the Nets 116-112, the first team to move on. The Raptors stayed alive with a 103-88 win over the Sixers in Philadelphia. Philly now leads that series 3-2. The Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, returned to the lineup, 33 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists. They just destroy the Jazz. The Jazz are... Uh, this might sound a little bit hyperbolous, but the Jazz are, I think, literally one game away from them blowing it up. We were talking about it last night. at At, at some point, <laughs> I thought I thought Bill Simmons made uh, asked a a really good question. He said, "Is Donovan Mitchell just a younger C.J. McCollum with a better P.R. agent?" Because at some point. Like, we saw the Donovan Mitchell, we got the taste of Donovan Mitchell a couple years ago in that series against the Nuggets when he averaged something like 35 or 36 points per game. He had multiple 50-point games. He and Jamal Murray were sort of like these rising stars together. That was one of the best series I've ever seen. It was. Donovan Mitchell has been, he has not gotten one ounce better since then, though. And, and he's still a very good player, but it's exactly what you're saying. Okay, if you want to just be a very good player and you want to make the playoffs over and over again, like that's whatever it is. But that's not what you have franchise guys like him for. You need him to be able to get you multiple playoff series wins. Not all by himself, but he has to be in the mix for that. And they have not looked like that whatsoever here uh, the last couple games. With Luka out in this series, I thought the Jazz were going to get get this thing done easy in five or six games. Nope, they're going to lose this series.
2: Well, probably. It's it's 3-2, to two, so it's not out of reach for them. Uh, but, yeah, they looked awful last night. I think you're right. It's time to, when we're talking about blowing it up, it's always been about the fit there with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. At what point do you just reach the conclusion that we've got to blow this up because those guys aren't good enough, you know? For sure. We've got to, we've got to try to swing big and get
0: somebody else in there because... You Who know, are you going to get in there, though? Well, yeah, sure. You'd have to do, I mean, they have assets, so you have to do a trade because they're not going to be able to sign anybody. That's why they already did this once. They paid Mike Connolly way too much money. Mike Connolly's fine. He's fine. But he's not good enough to get you over the top of what they're paying he for. He was a good fit for that team when they were the best
2: team in the Western Conference. I mean, they were the number one seed. For sure. Two, two years ago, right? I mean, yeah. he's a good fit for a team like that. But I think they haven't taken any steps forward. And like you said, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, we've seen... A bunch of players in the West take steps up. A bunch of players in his generation or younger than him, like John Morant in the West, taking a step up is Brandon Ingram moving ahead of him right now? Oh man! Uh, in in that with what he's done in that series, and I still
0: cannot get on board with Brandon Ingram. Really? He has the Pelicans tied with the Phoenix Suns right now. I know he does. I the, know he the, does. And he, he uh, uh, so I guess I guess there's my two biggest drawbacks with Brandon Ingram. Right? And then I know we're up against. So I know we got to get out. My two biggest drawbacks against Brandon Ingram is he can't play with Zion Williamson, so that's a decision to be made. There's a reason he's carrying them in this series. That might just be a moot point. Well, right, but, I mean, he's not an asset for the Pelicans unless they want him to be the asset, which is fine because, in my opinion, Zion Williamson is uh, a house on fire that's going to be a smoldering pile of ashes before he ever wins at any consequential level in the NBA. But Ingram also he so you either got a build around him or not, and he also he puts up numbers. But is he a winning player? Like, is he just Carmelo Anthony or Gilbert Arenas, or is he a winning player? I know that the Pelicans right now are riding it. They they won their playing game. They they got the Suns tied two two. They won thirty five games this year, man. Like they're they're not good. They were like multiple. They were almost ten games under five hundred.
2: Well, here's the fun thing about the NBA playoffs, Coulter. The narrative switched so quickly. The, exactly. jazz, the jazz could win by 25 points next game, and we could Absolutely. be going into a Game 7 there. And uh, we'll find out about Brandon Ingram within the space of, of three games. I mean, it's it's going to be laid out for us.
0: This is why uh, Sean Rainey and I used to do our top 25 NBA players, and we would do it right around this time. And this is why I don't do that anymore, because the playoffs influence you so much and, you know, once upon a time, I said Anthony Davis was the second best player in the National Basketball Association when he led the New Orleans Pelicans past the Portland Trailblazers in, a, in the, I think, their only series win ever in their franchise's history. And uh, I quickly had egg on my face uh, with the AD um, <laughs> anointment as one of the top guys in the NBA. So that's why we don't do that anymore. Well, as now it's been Radio. Got to get out. Business angle with Justin Angle. The overlay between business and sports. Presented by Blackfoot Communications, we talk about legend making. We talk about is there a ceiling on professional sports trajectories, and much more. Keep it right here, to on us Now, ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally.